welcome to this special series of Start Somewhere for COP26, the climate emergency. And today I am so thrilled to be joined by an amazing, amazing, amazing guest who is Zanergy Artist, who is the co-executive director of Zero Hour. He's, he's, he's recently been promoted, so, so I've got the title right, the co-executive director of Zero Hour. Congratulations on the promotion, Zanergy. And how Thank are you, you love? I am doing great. I am so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited! I'm so excited to finally meet you. I mean, like, like I, I've been wanting to meet you for like months and months and months, and and and, and it's it's just absolutely brilliant. And as you know, I always ask my guests, you know, like, how did you get started? Like, where did you like grow up? You know, what were your early passions? I mean, were you were you born like a climate activist? You know, on. <laughs> Absolutely. So I grew up on the coast of Connecticut in the U.S. And I, it's beautiful, right? Yes, it is. I love it. And I went to the beach a lot. I, I grew up next to Long Island Sound and I just loved the shoreline. Um, and then I started to get involved in sustainability and learn about plastic waste and all these things happening with our oceans. And so then started a sustainability club at my school. And how old were you when you set up the sustainability club? So I, I think I was, uh, must have been 17 or 16. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I was in high school then, uh, and actually before that, a huge inspiration for uh, my interest in the environment was the Mystic Aquarium, um, and it's an aquarium and research facility in Mystic, Connecticut, which is also close to where I live. And when I was a kid, I went and saw the beluga whales there, and I thought, oh my goodness, like this is incredible. And I would put my little hands up on the glass and the big whales would just swim by with their giant eyes looking at me. And I was just like, this is an honor to, to be able to witness this creature all the way down here in Connecticut. And they're from the Arctic. Um, and so that was a huge uh, inspiration for me too, to see all this diversity of life. And so then I got involved in ocean work and started the club in high school. Oh. And then... After that, um, I learned a bit about climate change and what climate justice is. And that's right around the time when I co-founded Zero Hour and have been organizing since then, doing marches, doing education work, sharing stories, and really just getting the word out about climate change. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, was, was that, you know, like when you found your purpose, you know, for, you know, for Zero Hour, was, was that kind of like, was that a sort of like road to Damascus moment where you kind of like, like literally kind of hit over the head by something or was it, or was it more of an incremental, like, like, you know, journey for you to, 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 to you know, to found that and, and to discover that's what you were meant to be doing? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I, I think that, um, I was definitely hit over the head by this idea of climate justice and mm -hmm. thinking about humans and the environment as one and thinking about the actual impacts for people on from climate change and from the fossil fuel industry because i had been so laser focused on reducing personal waste and plastic consumption and fighting for these uh, beautiful beluga whales um and the manatees and all these other endangered species 
and then learns all about what this climate justice is and systems of oppression that are meaning that more people, certain people are disproportionately harmed by climate change over others. And uh, that's really core to the platform of Zero Hour. And we name four different systems of oppression as the root causes. And those are capitalism, racism, patriarchy, and colonialism. Yes, <laughs> they, they are. I, I mean, just, just extraordinary. And tell us, you know, how are you living your purpose? How, how, how are you, you know, teaching people and educating them about these, you know, these four, like, systemic, structural kind of challenges we need to, to, to overturn? Yeah, so uh, right after the Youth Climate March that we hosted in 2018, we launched a program called Getting to the Roots of Climate Change. And that was an education series. Uh, It's still available. And it talks about these intersections of systems of oppression and environmental racism and how uh, modern oil companies are practicing colonialism by disrespecting uh, treaty rights and indigenous sovereignty. And so we delivered that presentation in high schools, in public forums, and essentially to anyone who would listen. And that really got more young people involved in our movement. And we built communities around that idea that environmental justice is something that everyone is impacted by. And, and, and it is something that everyone is, is, is impacted by. And, and I think when I look at you know, the COP, decision-making lineup. I mean, they're, they're pretty much all white, middle-aged men, you know, and, 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 yeah. and you know, there, there is, you know, a place for white, middle-aged men. But, but you know, why, why is proper inclusion, you know, you know, really necessary? You know, I mean, like, like it's, it's not just a nice to have, it's an essential to have. Tell us, tell us about why, why it's so important, Sanji. Yeah, so... Diverse perspectives are essential to pushing for environmental justice. And that means including people on the front lines. It means including young people who will inherit this climate crisis if action isn't taken today. And so I think that for COP, it's really interesting to see, and I've actually, a lot of people have been saying this for years now, that it's interesting that they separate out COI, um, which is the Conference of Youth. I know, and- right? Why? Right? Like, Why? And I, we think it's just really interesting um, that we have to have a separate forum for the young people, and then and then they they go to the big leagues with the rest of COP. I, I know. I, I just didn't understand that. It's kind of like you know, was it a diversionary tactic? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like it's like you get busy over there, and kind of like you know, meanwhile the, we'll do the main event, and it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, ha- hang on a second. <laughs> Like, I don't get this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, and, and as you say, like, young people are inheriting this planet. And you're actually the first generation to inherit a planet which is worse off. I mean, I, 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 I just find that shameful and horrifying by, by, by equal measure. And, I, you know, like, everybody, I think, who, who, who has children really wants their children to have a good future and to be better off. But... This is not happening. I mean, it, it, it's it's just appalling. And and then you know, I hear these rather glib comments about like, well, you know, the youth can sort it out. And I'm like, that's just not right. I mean, like, like 
how and and like you know if the generations before have been responsible for this like you know, shouldn't they take some responsibility and actually lean in? I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yes, no, absolutely. I think this really relates to a question that uh, a lot of young people get a lot, is which is what gives you hope. And oftentimes it will be like elected officials who are and like business leaders and they'll be like, what gives you hope? And I'm like, but you're supposed to be giving me hope <laughs> for a better future. Like you are the decision makers. You have the power to decide what happens with climate change, how we implement climate justice. And of course, uh, our movement gets hope from each other. And, and we build community around ideas of climate justice and uh, working together toward a common goal. But also <laughs> we, we can definitely gain more hope uh, from elected leaders and business leaders actually taking action and committing to strong plans to transition to renewable energy. Yeah, and, and, and I just find it so, so interesting. And I think, I don't know, we've become so, I mean, capitalism is one of the things you're, you know, you're, you're flagging there, but it's so all about kind of the short-term thinking and like how much money can we make and how much growth we can make. And it, 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 it's completely in opposition to kind of the natural world. And really, you know, we don't, we, you know, we've already spanked, what, what are we like 1.7 using, you know, 1.7 times the world's kind of resources currently. And it's like, you know, there is no growth. <laughs> Anymore. Yeah, like 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 the growth thing is a myth, and the growth thing is like boom or bust. You know, <laughs> it's, yes, you know. absolutely. No, I I was just talking with someone about this and the idea of GDP and how uh, we like to measure economic growth and like what that means for the world because it's valued to grow and that means more consumption and it means more sale of goods and creation of goods and more extraction. And eventually, somehow that's going to run out. Uh, And that's whether we we have issues with climate change or we just run out of resources because we continue to extract. And so the way that we value everything um, is just inherently flawed because this growth is not a, a, a straight line. It's not sloping upwards. It's, it's going to end at some point. Yes, and, and that's kind of inevitable, <laughs> basically. And the only thing that's going to go up is, is the rate of climate change, and 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 that in itself is 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 absolutely terrifying. And I and I and I just you know sometimes just wonder whether people just live in their own little bubbles. I, I often think kind of leaders and government officials don't actually realise you know, like what actions they can take, do you know what I mean? And what, what small changes they can make, which actually have a large impact. I, I think that's true of all of us, actually. I think we don't know where to start. We think it's, you know, someone else needs to make the change, you know, and yeah. they get, get labelled. It, 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 it's very, very interesting. So, you know, tell us how many people, you're, you know, you're reaching and, 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 and you know, with, with, with your initiatives. Absolutely. So, uh, we currently have, uh, I think, over two dozen uh, uh, youth chapters with Zero Hour. And so they are organizing here in the U.S. Uh, with chapters and also around the world. We do collaborations with Fridays for Future on the climate strikes. We're coordinating with the Sunrise Movement here in the U.S. 
And we have partnerships all around the world uh, with other organizations. And so we are spreading climate justice education work. And uh, here in the U.S., we're working on policy. And so I also uh, direct the policy for Zero Hour and coordinate lobby efforts and bring young people into conversations with congressional staff and other decision makers so that they can actually hear from young people uh, what they want and what they want to see for a future and a just transition. And I think, Sanjay, it would be brilliant to hear what do you want? Because, you, you know, there's a lot of, how do I say, noise about Friday for the futures. And, but, yeah, what, what, I mean, what do, you, what do you want? What do young people want? And how can we help? I think it's probably the follow-up question. Yes, definitely. So lots of things. And, and it could be high-speed rail, renewable energy. Um, but I think a, a top-line item for us right now that we're organizing for is the elimination of fossil fuel subsidies. And fossil fuel subsidies, essentially uh, funding given by governments to cover some of the costs for operating drilling rigs and pipelines, and in some cases, taxpayer dollars going toward cleaning up oil spills from pipelines and offshore rigs. When we know that these fossil fuel companies are negligent and we know that there is inherent risk in their practices, and yet the government still decides to subsidize an industry that is causing climate change. And so in the U.S., it's up to $40 billion a year in subsidies that we offer. That's shocking. Yes. And almost half a trillion worldwide every year uh, going directly to the fossil fuel industry. And these subsidies don't help jobs. They don't help people at the gas pumps. They're really just going towards the top line and the salaries of executives in these companies. That's so, absolutely shocking. I mean, it, it, I, 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 just, I just don't get it. I, I really don't get it. And, you know, many of these companies are also in the plastics industry because, of course, mm-hmm. plastic comes from fossil fuels. And I don't think everybody necessarily knows that either. So, you know, and that is also a scourge of, of the planet. So it's kind of like the fossil fuel industry has, has a lot to answer for. Absolutely. Yeah. And ways that people can get involved in that, of course, call your elected officials. And this is something that we say a lot, but it actually does go a long way. And basically uh, in the U.S., at least, and likely other places all around the world, when people call offices, they're keeping a tally of the things that people are calling about. And so that's how they form their priorities lists. And so if I call my representative in Connecticut or where I am at school in Rhode Island, uh, an intern, a staffer, someone is going to take down what I write about and put out uh, some kind of summary to their boss, to their representative, to the senator uh, about what people are talking about. And so if you're calling about fossil fuel subsidies, if you're calling about ending a pipeline, people are going to take note of that. And that's really important. And then also share stories, share your own story, why you care about climate change. Social media is huge for that and share what other organizations are doing, like Zero Hour. Yeah, and I, I also feel like often to mentor these guys, you know, reverse mentoring is is really, you know, successfully being done in, in some, some companies, like, you know, Unilever is doing it, you know, and, and some, you know, some amazing 
companies, you know, and, and, you know, these senior execs are learning a lot. You know, I think we should be offering to reverse mentor some of these government officials as well and, and, and policymakers. You know? I think they would really Absolutely. benefit that. Like, can we come and see you, you know, like on a Friday? <laughs> yes. And chat with you and you know, tell you how it is from my perspective. You know? Yeah, no, they definitely could absolutely benefit from that. Yeah, and, and also like what I find so interesting is so many of the chief executives who are making changes have been influenced by their own children. Um, you know, for instance, you know, the, 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 the CEO of, of, of L'Oreal, you know, w- w- was the informal one. You know, he, his, his daughter basically said, you know, Dad, I'm not proud of what you do. And, you know, <laughs> you do this and you do that. And, yeah. you know, and he was like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> and, you know. So if you have a, a, a parent in a position of power, also have a word. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Person. Parents, grandparents, aunts, siblings. This is an intergenerational movement. And we, yeah. we, we learn from each other and our experiences. And I wasn't at the first Earth Day, but, you know, someone who's older definitely could have been. And uh, yeah, I think we can all just learn so much from each other and, and take away a lot from making change that way. Yeah, and so, you know, I think everyone who's listening to this podcast wants to start somewhere. I think, you know, a lot of people feel very, very overwhelmed. You've, you've mentioned, you know, some, some very helpful ways to, to get behind the fossil fuel, you know, movements. But, you know, a lot of people just kind of go, well, look, you know, it's too big an issue. My small efforts won't count for anything. You know, what, what, what do you say to that? And what, what are your tips for, you know, maybe getting over that kind of fear that, you know, I, I, I'm not important enough or something? Yeah, I think everyone can make an impact in some way. And uh, think about this analogy of the ocean that one, one drop doesn't make an ocean, but, but all this water is an ocean. It's a river. It's, it's our ecosystem. And so every small action builds to something bigger. And we can become this wave of change that, that really turns the tide for climate justice. And there's so many things that people can do. And find your interest. Are you interested in the beluga whales or the... Uh, the rainforests, supporting people fighting against fossil fuel infrastructure and find uh, find your people and find who is interested in those things too. And then you can also take actions in your own life. I think uh, a major thing that people can do is actually deciding where they put their money. And um, yes, I mean, we, we, you know, we've all got purchasing power, you know, however modest or large, you know, we, 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 we can all make decisions like where, where we put our money. And that's the quickest way to wake up brands, I would say. Yes, <laughs> like, definitely. Like, just tell them you're not going to buy their products anymore if they don't change. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, also deciding where we bank. So uh, there's a bunch of banks that continue to finance fossil fuel infrastructure. And uh, Zero Hour right now is organizing with a coalition called Stop the Money Pipeline. And you can Mm -hmm. learn more about their work at stopthemoneypipeline.com. But there is banks like Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, uh, Wells Fargo, all these big names that you probably know are helping to finance new pipelines and and coal and all of these dirty fuels that we That's know. Extraordinary. I mean, it's extraordinary, especially as a lot of those people have launched like green and sustainable funds exactly. on, on the other side. So it's a bit like 
you know, walk your talk, boys and girls. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, you can't say you're you're going to be sustainable finance and then also fund expansion for tar sands oil. It, it just doesn't uh, track. So transitioning uh, your money out of accounts uh, related to banks that fund fossil fuels is also really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's incredibly wise advice. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And you know, tell us also you're going to, you're going to be working with IKEA. So tell us a little bit about 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 that's very exciting. Sure. So I've just joined a youth forum with the Inca Group, and we are working with them to uh, learn more about their sustainability plans and really collaborate in a way that I think hasn't really been done before um, with an organization called Drive Agency. And they're hosting this forum uh, with the group and with young people from all over the world to really get together and and form this intergenerational bond and uh, a group of young activists and business leaders. And that's something that's really different. And I'm, I'm really excited to be working with them throughout the year, but uh, we'll be providing feedback all along the way on what we see and hope that it ends up becoming a model for other businesses as well. I very much hope so. And, 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 and I mean, they are quite remarkable in, in their foresight and, 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 you know, their ability and, I don't know, desire to make a, a, a difference in the world. So I, I'm, I'm very excited. And of course, you know, I'm going to meet you um, at the IKEA event as well. So yes. One Home, One Planet. So I, I, I really can't can't wait for that. And I'm very excited to hear, hear what everyone's got to say. Um, oh, my goodness. I mean, like, I'm in such awe of you. <laughs> It's just extraordinary, you. I, and, and then you then you fit in time to 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 do a degree as well, which I I I, yeah. I do. <laughs> yes, it's definitely uh, a balance to be a student and an activist at the same time. But it's definitely been a passion of mine, and um, I'm fortunate to be able to do this work and also not necessarily have the obligation to do so. And yeah. there are so many people on the front lines who have been born into situations where they have to fight for this. And yeah. um, And I'm thinking especially of indigenous people and here in the U S fighting against the line three pipeline and um, yeah. And, and it's being built through their lands. And I have had the privilege of not having that happen in places that I have lived, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a fight for young people. Yeah. And a fight for survival ultimately for all of us. I mean, the damage that we are doing, you know, to, to our, well, it's to our planet. I mean, our planet ultimately will be fine. You know, humanity won't be, um, and nor will, you know, all the living creatures that that, that we so love and enjoy and are so necessary for, for a healthy ecosystem. I mean, it's, 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 it's just quite extraordinary. So Zanity, thank you so much. Thank you for, for being hope in action. Thank you for all you're doing. And I can't wait to, to, to you know, just make some exciting plans with you and, and really, you know, really, you know, become truly inclusive and, and, and really, you know, just, 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 I don't know, provide like some real hope in action and, 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 and some real change. It's, it, it's, it's so exciting. So I've, I've blessed you for everything you're doing and, and take enormous care and, and travel safely and, and see you in person very soon. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited uh, to get to meet you in Glasgow. Oh my goodness, wasn't Sanaji amazing? I mean, what a 
hugely talented and inspiring <laughs> person. He is just, just breathtaking. Now to uh, introduce tomorrow's guest, who is another person who is just utterly, utterly, utterly extraordinary. Cassie Flynn, who works for the United Nations Development Programme and is basically heads up all things climate for them. Can't wait for you to listen to her. She's one of the most inspiring people that I've ever met. 